Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Welcome. Happy Horns and Hump Day. You're listening to Great Right Radio on Pagans Tonight Radio Network. You're listening to All Acts of Love and Pleasure. I am Dr. Susan. And I'm Michael Graywolf. And we'll be with you for the next hour. We get together uh, two Wednesdays a month here at Pagans Tonight to talk about sex, sexuality, relationships, and whatever else we can get up to from a pagan perspective. And tonight we are launching off of a great article that Michael Graywolf found, so I hope you'll stick with us while we talk about whether or not American paganism and maybe even paganism more broadly has a sexism problem. So we'd love it if you'd join us in the chat room or send us an email at actsofloveandpleasure at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at loveandpleasure. That's love, L-U-V, and pleasure. Or you can find us on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. But let's, uh, let's, before we dive right into what's going to be a fabulous show, what are you up to, Michael? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's December. Oh my gosh, it's December, and I've it's been it was actually snowing earlier today, and not like okay. I don't think it like stuck or anything. It was like some some flurries, but oh my gosh, you know it's snow. This could be your first winter solstice with snow, huh? Yes. Well, you well, know, I mean, I th- we've had snow in Dallas, we, but like, yeah. Real. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, had my first Thanksgiving away from home, which wasn't bad. Uh, it was good. It, it was definitely a different type of vibe than it is at my family. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas are very much big. You know, how do you do? Because we see a lot of family that, you know, we don't interact with throughout the year. So it's like a big thing to actually get together and, you know, hang out. But, you know, I was with Jeff's family, and they see each other all the time. So it right. felt more like this was just a big dinner type thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, yeah, Jeff's yeah. family is small, too. So I, I know I went from having – you know, the big family where you got to put all the leaves in the table so it's just the four of us. So it, is, it is kind of a switch. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed myself, and, you know, they welcomed me. Uh, they also, uh, I, if you remember last time I told you, uh, Jeff and I have a, this uh, friend or, you know, I don't know if we would call him our, like, very special friend or our third, because it's not a triad that we have. It's very right? much still just me, me and Jeff, but we have this other individual, and he is a good friend, but he's a good friend of benefits. So, right. Me and Jeff, me, me and Jeff are gonna have to work on a you know word for you know what he is. So, right. but, um, he was also there. Um, he wasn't able to spend Thanksgiving with his family either. And he got to, you know, join us. Fun. 
Yeah. That sounds nice. It was fun, actually. Uh, and that's actually, I was going to say, that's actually where uh, my partner is tonight because we both have to go in at 2 a.m. now that it's after Black Friday. So uh. I work tomorrow. <laughs> my partner does not. So he's so that he doesn't bother me while I'm trying to sleep. He's over with our friend. So I told him, have fun. Be safe. Because you know, it might ice. I want him to be safe. Yes, yes. Yeah, we, we've had, even had cold down here. It felt more like winter, um, although nothing like what y'all are getting. And it was very cold over Thanksgiving weekend here, and it was nice because it was sleep and food, and exactly what that holiday is, at least in my world, mm-hmm. supposed to be, is this kind of rest, this beginning of, of going within, because um, that's, you know, that's what solstice season, what winter solstice season is, is about, for mm-hmm. me and my tradition, and, and for a lot of us, so <clears throat> I ate not quite my weight in Turkey, but I got close, <laughs> and uh, took some long, long naps, and... I worked on an online, a little one-week online class on uh, a goddess-centered rule that I'll be launching mm-hmm. this week through Mystery School of the Goddess. So if you're interested in that, um, keep an eye out at mysteryschoolofthegoddess.net. The class is called Lady of the Light, a Goddess-Centered Solstice. Um, and while the Mystery School um, kind of pitches itself as mostly for women, and most of our students are, are women. I'm going to let anybody who wants to take a class take it, regardless of gender. Uh, I'll also mm-hmm. be offering it through um, Facebook and email for people that would rather take it that way. So that was kind of a fun way to get into the spirit, was to have a mm-hmm. nice, slow weekend and then put this class together. And now I'm up to my ears and deadlines of school, so it's you know, the last rush so all mm-hmm. the stacks of patients and all the papers are coming in. So it's definitely uh, kind of the the storm before the calm, I guess. Uh, but it's it's definitely been a, a turning of season. It's hard to believe it's almost winter solstice. We're ready, getting ready for the wheels to turn again. So has there been anything going mm-hmm. on up in your or anything that you're doing or working on? Um, not really working on a lot of stuff at the moment. Um, still going through with classes with the ending path. Um, we kind of had a little bit of a break. Uh, we had we've had a lot of things happening lately. Um, the instructor for the batch of students that I'm doing that I'm student teaching for uh, his grand his I can't remember if it's his maternal or paternal. But uh, when his grandfather passed away, so we had to take a little oh. break. So, but we also have, a, you know, there's quite quite a few things like that happening with a lot of the brothers at the moment. Um, yeah. One of the brothers, his mother is dying from cancer, and it was. They told her, you know, we could do this really, really, you know, just kill all the stuff, radiation, or we could do pain management, and she's opted for pain management. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, you know, just sending out as much love and energy to that brother as we can as he's dealing with his mother's passing, because she has 
they told her, you know, anywhere from a couple of days to a couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Send in love there. That's hard. I've got a few people in my life right now too that uh, are kind of dealing with either people that the fact that somebody has passed over or that that's coming and mm-hmm. definitely um, it's always hard and at a time of the year that's, that's pretty festive can be even harder. So, so much love to mm-hmm. everybody who's going through that. Um, it's, you know, kind of a, it, it's jarring. Um, you know, we had um, a couple of folks at work who uh, lost loved ones right close to Thanksgiving. And that's just such a, such a hard thing at any time, but especially when you're sort of looking forward to those family gatherings and now gatherings come and they're going to be different. <clears throat> oh mm. my goodness. I'm getting all chucked up over here. Absolutely. <laughs> it's this sort of dark time of the year. You know, we're, we're mm. really starting to face up to some of that stuff. So, um, you know, um, definitely our thoughts are with those people. Um, our thoughts are also with all the people affected by the shooting in San Bernardino, California today. Yes. Uh, oh, so it, horrible. I, I've been watching that a little bit. Did they ever have they figured out what the motive was? Because I wasn't able to catch that. Yeah, last I heard, they don't know. Um, mm. So it's it's really something. Um, I've got some friends in the pagan community in that area who either live or work down there in that neighborhood. So I was really glad to hear back from them um, that they were all safe and all their loved ones were were safe and sound. But it's, it's definitely it's a really strange time right now mm. with all this sort of sort of happening. A lot of people with personal upheaval and and cultural upheaval and political upheaval, uh, there's there's a lot. And, um, you know, some people say that it's sort of the birthing pangs of something new being born. Some it, We're mm-hmm. on the cusp of some sort of style change. I sure hope so, because it gets, gets old to turn on the news and see nothing but death and destruction day after yeah. day. But, you know, but we're going to hopefully bring a, at least a little bit of, of levity to what it, it sounds like has been a hard week for a lot of folks. Um, there's just no good way to transition from that, is there? <laughs> wow, way to no. bring it way down to season. Uh, we tune in. Oh, I don't know. Maybe oh. maybe if we put, like, a song on to, bring, to lift up the mood or something. Right. We're radio, so we can do that. Let's see. I agree. Um, little little music to transition us into uh, what should be an interesting discussion and hopefully not a depressing discussion. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's uh, you know you can't ever go wrong with little S J Tucker. I'm gonna throw on a little for the love of all who gather, and we'll be back with you here in a moment.
And that was S.J. Tucker, for the love of all who gather. She is a big favorite here at All Acts of Love and Pleasure and at Pagans tonight. So we're framing our discussion tonight. Uh, Michael found this article that came out. I will post the link, one of us will, to our Facebook page uh, through Policy Mike, uh, published by uh, Jaya Saxena, which I don't know if that is that person's um, name out in the rest of their life or just their their, their pen name, but they pose the, the bold assertion that there's a sexism problem in the modern witchcraft community, and that's kind of right up our alley here on all acts of love and pleasure and talk about the interplay of the genders. And this is a great article. It's a quick read, but it really gives you a lot to think and think about and lots of great links. Um, and she, I say she, the author, they, starts with an assertion from the new book Witches of America by Alex Marr, which I know is getting a, a lot of heated press, and we're not, uh, not here to weigh in on our opinion about that book. I haven't read it yet. I'll get back to you. But mm. Marr, who worked with Dianic Wickens in writing uh, her book, talks about this tradition that focuses on women and women's power and women's energy and says its rituals might be separatist, but the movement is not anti-men. It's simply not about men. And I really was intrigued by that statement as somebody who practices feminist witchcraft and practices mostly in groups of women. Um, I practice with cis women and trans women, but mostly with women, um, but who has practiced in mixed-gender groups and sometimes still does practice in mixed-gender groups, uh, the way that people sort of react to me when I tell them I'm a feminist witch is they immediately ask me if I'm a man-hater. And so to realize that that is so much a a stereotype or a trope that's out there in our community, I think was interesting. And as one of my... Some witchcraft sisters pointed out, she said, you know, it's the ultimate sexism that uh, when something is about women, uh, men find a way to make it about them. <laughs> so instead <laughs> of something being about celebrating women, it's about hating men. And that lead, it sort of leads into this whole conversation uh, about, you know, is a religion that is goddess-focused or that recognizes the goddess is it automatically more egalitarian? What are the relationships between men and women? And then we get into all other genders. Like, and do we have uh, some of the same dynamics between uh, men and women in the larger American culture? Are they reproduced within paganism and specifically within Wicca, is what this actor, this author is talking about. So, I practice predominantly with women, and Michael practices a tradition where he works mostly with, with men and mostly with men who love men. We thought we might uh, 
get together and just talk about some of our experiences and talk about this article. I'd love it if you join us in chat um, or called in. So you can call us. You can call in at three four seven three zero eight eight two two two. So, uh, so Michael, what was it about this article that intrigued you? Um, well, interesting. I mean, I came across this article because it was shared by a person who is a friend of mine on Facebook, and that's the only way we are friends. Uh, they added me on Facebook a while back, and he's a very outspoken witch. Um, and he shared this, and I was like, at first I saw the word sexism in um, like his little blurb about it, and I was like, okay, what's this about? Um, and I was reading his own take on the article before I read the article itself. And I was like, okay, okay. Because he was talking from his experience where he's had um, high priestesses, um, like he gave an example of where he was doing a seminar type thing, and a high priestess comes, you know, running from the back, you know, trying to shut him down, saying he doesn't know anything. And and I had to stop and think. I was like, have I ever encountered anything like that in my, you know, experience in witchcraft? And I've I have to say, I've not encountered, you know, where someone comes telling me, you know, I don't know what I'm doing because I'm a man. I mean, that's what I trailed off a little bit. But, yeah, that was what the high priestess was telling him. He didn't know what he was talking about because he was a man and a queer man at that. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow. I had to stop and think for me. I was like, I have never had that happen to me. Of course, I've never actually, like, given a speech or, you know, a, a class or anything to where, you know, someone would have an opportunity to do something like that. Um, and I was like, you know who I would love to know what they thought about this? Dr. Susan. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so that's why I sent it to you. <laughs> Well, I, I was really intrigued when he sent it because this is my kind of my wheelhouse for, for those who, who might be new to the show. Um, I, I am a doctor. I'm not the kind of doctor that helps people. I'm a doctor of anthropology, and my doctoral research was on paganism and gender in, here in Texas. Um, so when I saw that there's, there's a sexism problem in modern witchcraft, I was like, okay, is this going to be about sort of gender inequality as it plays out in exactly the situation you're talking about, where there's some sexism against men in the community, or is this going to be about sexism against women on behalf, uh, you know, that is perpetrated by men? How is that going to work? Because in my research and my long experience, I've seen, well, I've seen a lot, and I've absolutely seen what you're talking about, Michael, where, um, my ex-husband ran a pagan's men's group for a while, and there were several of the high priestesses here in Dallas who got together in kind of a backdoor meeting and decided that this was absolutely inappropriate, and their justification was that men can't cast circle without women present, but women can cast circle without men present. And that was just such a, like, smack in the face. I was really surprised to hear a group of, like, avowed feminist women make such a statement. <laughs> uh, 
and I've definitely seen where um, men, again, queer men definitely uh, have been sort of systematically shut down mm-hmm. in um, pagan settings. And uh, that, you know, I'm not going to do like, you know, hashtag not all feminist witches. Um, I think that that's not the norm, but it happens enough that almost everybody knows somebody with a horror story. And as, mm-hmm. as Ashley May, who's chatting in with me in the chat room, says, not cool. Very much not cool. You know, yeah. the uh, the idea that, um, especially, I'm going to guess that your your uh, friend who was giving this talk, this high priestess was not somebody even within his tradition, right? Um, right. That's what I've seen happen. <laughs> like, wait, um... I'm not even initiated in your tradition. Why are you trying to tell me? I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so this sort of systematic shutting down where, you know, where so many women especially are drawn to Wicca and other forms of paganism because women can assume leadership and have a voice to then use, mm-hmm. take that power and turn it around to um, try and marginalize someone else it is really troubling. Actually, I, I interviewed a guy for my dissertation. Um, I used this quote in the book where when he was 19, he – and this was, like, way back before the Internet, back in the day, right, where he had to go find a coven that would that would train you. Mm-hmm. And he got in with one of the covens here in the Dallas area, which was a, a mixed-gendered coven. Um, but when he sort of came to this woman for uh, training, she looked straight at him – and in spite of the fact that they had trained men before, so I don't know exactly how this happened, but she looked at him and she said, oh, honey, you can't be a witch. You're a man. That means you're the oppressor. Ooh. Right? I mean, way to just put it right out there on the table. Um, and, you know, he was, he was like, but I'm like 19 and I, I don't want to be an oppressor. I want to be a feminist stuff. Um, and that just really stuck with him. You know, he went on to, to get some good training elsewhere, but, you know, I was talking to him 20 years after the fact, and he had sort of never, for good reason, I think, quite gotten over that. Like, it was very much, that was his introduction to the pagan community here, and, and that was really devastating to him to, mm-hmm. to hear that. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I'm... Go ahead. I was just gonna say. I mean, when I'm lucky that you know the you know the pagans that I knew when I was coming into the craft, you know, they were all gender wasn't something that um, what's the words I'm looking for? Gender wasn't something that you know. I can't think of the words I'm trying to I want to use. Uh, it wasn't something that you know, kept us separate. It was something that everyone had, but we used it together to do our workings. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, and when I hear about, you know, stuff like this, because I've heard, you know, since, you know, I've been studying paganism, I've heard of, you know, these hor- horror stories, and I'm like, really? It, it just, it, baffles me sometimes but you know from you know other stuff I've learned from you know like the gay and lesbian movement from you know 
talking with you know feminist friends, I can see how you know these things have come up and you know why they happen um, and even in my own path uh when I started doing my initial training in the unnamed path, I had some friends who were like, "Your path seems kind of sexist and misogynistic. I was like, "What are you talking about?" And it was just because we don't that. do. I remember that. Yeah, we don't do uh, women can't really work in our path, and we work with the energies from man to man love. I mean, a straight man couldn't really join our path either. I mean, he's a he's a male, but he doesn't know what it's like to have that connection that two men who really you know, love each other have. You know, it's a different type of love from that to you know the love he has for his best friend. Right. Well, you know, I think that you know because so many of us come to this path from uh, religious traditions where we're t- we're told, well, this is not for you, and this is not for you because you are less than. We mm-hmm. you know, there are people when they hear that you practice a path for men who love men, or I practice predominantly with women, they assume that means, and we think. You know, Susan practices predominantly with women. That means she thinks women are better than men. And, um, you know, there's that doesn't have to necessarily follow. And actually, Ashley asked here in the in the chat. She says she's uh, I think referring to sort of your um, your discussion of the way that um, uh, man man love is in the unnamed past. She asked if it's not the same for lesbians and. Um, I know your uh, late founder Hyperion said he was absolutely open to the idea that if there were women who wanted women who loved women who wanted to go and do that work and create that tradition, that they could and they should. And I think that yes. you know, speaks kind of where I'm trying to go is that you know people fashion something that works for them and around mm-hmm. common experience, common identity, yeah. and that doesn't necessarily mean it's the only thing that's right. And you over there mm-hmm. can't join us because you're not as good as us. Like no, we're just doing we're doing this because this mm-hmm. is what we know, um, and you know it's. Uh, but I think it's it's kind of hard for people to to kind of get their head around that. Mm-hmm. I know I've definitely experienced it, and and something that um, that the article refers to, which is such a good read, um, is the way in which some of the people she interviewed report. Um, that sometimes, like the only man in the room, and often the the only straight guy in the room, um, will kind of talk over women or kind of dominate the space. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely experienced that um, as somebody who has led rituals for women. I uh, routinely get asked, "Well, why can't there be rituals like that for men?" Well, I never said there mm-hmm. shouldn't be rituals like that for men. I'm not a man. I can't write those for you. Mm-hmm. If you would like, you would like to write those rituals, and you don't know where to start. I am happy to talk to you about it. But yeah, just saying that you know I'm creating a ritual for women um, doesn't mean that men can't have their own mysteries. And I know there are people who are very much they don't, you know, they're they're not vibing with me on that. But 
it's always interesting to me that um, mm-hmm. it, almost any time I've talked about or I've, I've posted like a when I've done a public event, um, there is almost always someone who has to come in and say something about it mm-hmm. and um, really kind of take over the room, basically. Uh, so I really resonated with that portion of the article. Um, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I think we have this reciprocal problem where we have um, at least some women in the community who really don't want men to be spiritually independent. And then I think the reaction to that is you have men who auto- automatically see um, in powerful women, women who want to squash them, whether they want to or not. So you've got sort of this mutual hostility that happens. Mm-hmm. And, yes. uh, and it's not, uh, I don't know if you've ever, you know, witnessed any of that, but. Not firsthand. I mean, I've read accounts, and unfortunately that's most of what I've had. But I find it interesting that, you know, that happens because most of the time when I've, you know, done, like, at a Pagan Spirit Gathering, they have morning meetings. Uh, there's men's morning meeting at the Temple of the Sun God, women's morning meeting at the Moon Lodge. Um, you know, they have all these different places where we can go and talk with other people who are are same uh, gender and whatnot. And then I just realized, you know, if we don't have anything that at PSG that would be like for trans individuals. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, and that, that's I'm, something I'm, I think yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm totally talking over you, Mike. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I was just saying, you know, that just popped in my head. Okay, we don't really have anything like that for trans individuals. But I don't think it would be my place to try to set up something like that. You know, I think we'd yeah. have to have people in it in our community who are trans to, you know, like that. But back to what I was saying, um, at, I remember, I don't really go to the men's morning meetings because it's usually a lot of heterosexual men and I'm okay, you know, being around other straight men, I mean, other men who are straight, but, you know, we think differently most of the time. So. But I do remember one time they were talking about how, you know, they you know, there was a discussion on wanting to do more things that are, you know, male-centric because they were feeling like a lot of stuff is very female-centric. And they were like, okay, so what can we do as men to make some stuff like that happen? And it's been my experience that, you know, in most, pagan, most of the settings that I go to, the men are trying to figure out ways to... Uh, bring up uh, the male energy, the male aspect, the male side of paganism. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Not not necessarily overshadow or anything like that, the women side, but to bring it up so that they are equal. Yes, yes. And and I think that the, the article really points up the whole issue of, you know, the gender binary um, in paganism, mm-hmm. the way that we talk about sort of you know masculine and feminine energy, and that, that's just so much in our language, um, and co- you know complementarity and balance and all that. Um, and but when we start looking at 
like li- people's lived experience of gender it's a lot more complicated like you know i know when um my ex-husband was running a men's spirituality group um you know and they they started talking about i was and it was i think all straight men in the group all straight and all white um not unusual for pagan pagan groups um you know and they started talking about well we want to do some men's things and you know and they were like, mm-hmm. well, okay, we could go hunting, we could go fishing, we could go camping. Um, and those are all, like, wonderful things to do. But I mm-hmm. think that you know, the, the binary makes us think of, like, we have very limited ideas of, like, what are feminine things or what are masculine things. Mm-hmm. And that makes it hard to sort of bring that spiritually. And then you get into folks that are trans or people that are pangender or um, – are multigendered or genderqueer, and like, like where where do they fit in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a I'm a cisgendered queer woman. Not my place to tell you know trans or genderqueer pagans what they should do. But I, you know, I think it's important that there are people who sort of make those spaces. But even getting beyond our very limited ideas of what is masculine and what is feminine. And so what is men's spirituality and what is women's spirituality is like, that's a huge leap that we have to make to sort of address this. Uh, I don't even want to call it a problem, but address this sort of ethic that's at work in our community. Mm-hmm. I know you've been active with the, um, Rainbow Camp at both CMA and at PSG. Are they mm-hmm. what are they sort of doing around those issues? Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know if we really say much about those issues. At the two Rainbow Camps that I interact with, we don't really gender is not really something that we talk about because none of us have a problem with it in the camps that right. I, you know, in the groups that I am involved in. Uh, I'm pretty sure there there are groups where it is very much an issue. Yeah, I mean, I, I do know, it, it might be, it might be kind of off because I do know that the Rainbow Group down south that I'm usually involved with, it is predominantly men and it is... Mm-hmm you know, predominantly queer men, the few women that we have are either bisexual or just straight, but they're queer friendly. Gotcha. So, yeah, it doesn't come, it doesn't come up because we all, we haven't had anyone come in who feels like there isn't enough representation for them. Gotcha. Uh, I know in member camp at TSG is very mixed because we do have a couple of transgender individuals. We do have, you know, lesbians and we do have gay men and we all just kind of work together. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely like something that I immediately thought of too, when I was um, reading this article was I was doing my field work. There are a couple of things that sort of came up, um, and I would love to do more field work to find out if this is peculiar to Texas, because we do have a particularly strong tradition of uh, Wiccan traditions, especially started by 
by queer women that are very matrifocal, that are very goddess-focused, and where there quite honestly is some inequality in the way that even though men and women are trained in some of these groups, the way that they're trained um, is different. And so there, there is some systematic inequality in our community history down here, which I think definitely um, feeds into some of this stuff. But mm-hmm. when I was doing my field work, uh, and I, I've actually published an article about this, the phenomenon of um, that if you're a, a pagan woman and you're not like a, a lesbian separatist, uh, the expectation is that you will be bisexual. And the mm-hmm. expectation is that you will be bisexual, but that you will have your primary relationships with men, but that you will have sex with women so that your male partner can get off on it. Mm-hmm. And I was floored by how many women told me versions of the same story. Um, that there was just this, this expectation that, oh, I I met you and you're a pagan woman and, well, one, you must be really freaky sexually, so, yeah, let's let's go there. And, oh, you must must like women? Oh, you don't like women? Are you sure you don't like women? Are you sure you didn't want to speak with a woman just once so I could watch? And I, I interviewed, like, 50 women for this article, and the number of women I heard that had versions of the same story, it was so weird. Um, and I definitely had experience some of that in, in some of my relationships too. As, as I'm a lesbian identified bisexual woman at this point in my life, but um, and it was this sort of weird way that um, you have a, a religion and a culture that is very sex positive and and generally speaking, at least here in Texas, very queer positive. But there was still this um, really patriarchal overtones to it for women, and I didn't find the same thing about men at all. Like, I had women who apologized to me for being pagan and being straight. I had multiple women tell me that they felt like bad pagans because they didn't want to have sex with women. That's weird. It was heartbreaking. (laughs) And uh, I, I interviewed several women who said that they had had uh, sexual experiences with other women at festivals because they'd been pressured into it by a male partner. And then they felt like because they had done it once and he had really liked it, that they were going to have to do it again. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really, really rough. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, obviously I didn't go interview these women's male partners. I'm sure they have their own stories. But that stood out just so starkly to me. Um, that there was this just this patriarchal pressure and this sort of like I want to hook up with a woman who's very sexually free but not not because it's good for her but because I might get to like you know have some threesomes or something out of it it's very very Mm -hmm. strange Uh, and I'd be be curious to talk to uh, women in, in other parts of our community um but it was, and I definitely thought that a lot of these sort of encounters were orchestrated by male partners, um, sometimes with consent and sometimes not, um, which really mm-hmm. gets into some of the larger questions about consent that we've been talking about over the last year on the show, right? Yeah. That's, oh, that's definitely a yeah. thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
it, it sounds really depressing. Um, and I'm not saying, of course, that every pagan woman that's bisexual is, is bisexual because she was pressured into it by partner. It was just uh, one of those things that I, I found enough people telling their versions of the same story that instructed me that there's something going on there uh, mm-hmm. worth, worth talking about. Um, and that there isn't the same, or at least there wasn't, it's been 10 years since I did my field work, uh, there wasn't the same sort of um, kind of fetishization of bisexuality for men. Men were either straight or gay when I interviewed them. I had a few people who identified as bi, but by far the majority of women that I interviewed and in the surveys that I did, and I did something like 200 or 250 surveys, by far and away the majority identified as bisexual. So mm-hmm. there's... You know, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff sort of going on there, um, and and what what uh, what might be be happening in there. You know, um, mm-hmm. spaces for women found the binary, but not so much for men. Like it's, it's you know, as as well. That's part of the reason why I have the show. Yeah. So, I feel like I've been, been talking a lot because this is my kind of my wheelhouse, but. Um, you know, what I, I talked a little bit about the um, reactions that I've gotten from people, actually, and men and women, when I told them that I practice predominantly with women. Um, and I know you, you sort of had these experiences early on with friends who reacted negatively to you being on a, on a men's only path. But what, what um, have you had that sort of reaction? from people when you tell them about the past that they're like, oh, that's a bunch of Texas garbage? Or they they question why that's needed? Or You're making me think. I'm like, oh, my gosh, have, have I, you know, has that come up for me? And with the people that I associate with, it really hasn't been something that they've, you know, that they've, you know, asked me those questions about. Um Excuse me. I mean, I've most of the stuff that I've heard of where people have said something like that have been happened when the path first started. Mm -hmm, The path is mm -hmm. quite a few years old now, and you know, there, you know, we have gotten word out about the path, and a lot of people know more about it and whatnot. But um. Like you were saying, uh, our founder Hyperion had to deal with that quite a bit because people were like, "Well, why can't I? I'm a lesbian woman. Why can't I follow your path?" And it's just that their experience will be different from us because we are t- channeling into the energy of, you know, man to man love. Right. You know when. When they go to meet the gods, it's not going to be the same gods. It's not going to be the same manifestations. Um, when they go see the ancestors, you know, they're not going to go see the ancestors of men who love men. They're going to go see right. the ancestors of women who love women. Right. So, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I can't remember who told me. It was either one of the brothers or it was something I heard on one of the podcasts. Because the podcasts for the Unnamed Path are still up. They're quite a few years old now, but they're still up. They still have all the tools 
the Hyperion used to uncover the Unnamed Path. And, you know, they're there for anyone to use. But um, it was talking about how the energies, like the way the energies work is, um, like, think of it like uh, like a Gaiman energy is going one way, uh, like up and down. And lesbian, the energy from lesbian love is going left to right. They're not going to line up. You know, they might intersect at some point, but they're not going to match up completely. And the energy from, like, heterosexual love is, I can't describe it, is either uh, almost like a spiral, almost like a circle. So. Did I lose you? Hmm? Oh, sorry. It sounded like that? Out I was worried that, 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 you, that your call dropped in the middle of this, uh, this like, during discussion. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the weather is affecting the internet. Because you sound like you're fading out every so often, but then you come back uh, strong. So. Well, I, you know, I think what's really key is, like, the way that, that you're – Describing and what Hyperion described, you know, there's this experience of men who love men, and there's this experience of women who love women, and that they're different. One is not better than mm-hmm. the other, but they're different. They're um, just different. And that that people should feel free to to go out and explore, you know, their experiences, their ancestry, whatever, on their own. You know, mm-hmm. um, that you know, at its yeah. heart, love is love, but the experience of what it mm-hmm. is to be a man who loves men walking around in this culture is different than what it is to be a man who loves women or to be a woman who loves men or a woman who loves women, um, just on a cultural mm-hmm. and an energetic level, you know? Um, yes. So, you know, your ancestors and your gods, is, you know, it's uh, it, it, that in that sort of that universe that's going to have different, um, you know, different ancestors, different historical figures that are important to you, different mythological figures that are important to you. And, you know, that we can Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, hold the idea that things can be um, separate and they can be different, but that they can, they can also be, I'm not going to use the term separate, but equal because I hate it, but, um, you know, that, that Mm -hmm. forming a, a tradition for, in case the same path for men who love men is about serving the needs of, those men not saying that yes. oh, our needs are what is important and everybody else can just go blow, right? You should go mm-hmm. do your own thing. Right. Um, and it's it's very much like what I experience when when I have people that confront me about, oh, you're doing this labyrinth walk in Dallas and it's only for women. Well, why aren't you inviting men? Well, because I'm we're doing it around this specific issue and. I know what it's like to experience that issue as a woman, and I would like to create a space for women. But if you would mm-hmm. like to lead a labyrinth walk for men, that'd be great. <laughs> you know? I'm not saying you can't come do it. Um, yeah. I mean, know, it's I think that's... very much uh, – uh, sorry, what were you saying? No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, gonna, I was just going to say it's very much, you know, when people notice, okay, you know, they're doing this, why include me? Maybe 
be they should take leadership role and right. start it themselves. Not to, not saying that, you know, I lost my train of thought. Just went out the window. <laughs> it'll come back. It'll, it'll back up to the station. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's something that, you know, really resonated with me in the article. Um, again, this idea that, you know, when there's, when there's a space that's um, made for a group of people, and I see this very much with the way white people are about uh, spaces for people of color, um, I'm calling out my fellow white people on this one. Um, I have seen where uh, straight allies go into a queer space and really try and make it all about them. Um, mm-hmm. So it's definitely not something that happens on gender lines, right? Um, mm-hmm. The idea that uh, if you're used to having a certain amount of privilege that there is something that's not for you is really threatening to people. And they kind of feel like they have to make it all about them. Um, mm-hmm. No, I was I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and I, I you know, I couldn't explain at the time why it bothered me so much. But um, I do these uh, monthly women's rituals, and I advertise them publicly because they're open to any woman in the Dallas Fort Worth area or who can get here. Um, cis women, trans women. Um, I have a couple of um, pangender people who who identify with women's experience, who come, you know, it's, it's pretty broad. Um, but I have them advertised as Facebook events. And um, a couple of months ago, there was some dude who um, found the ad on, you know, one of the Facebook groups that I advertise on and came through and was like, well, I can't come to this, but I just wanted to wish all you women a beautiful full moon and then I was like, okay, like, you know, he didn't see anything sexist or awful. But I was like, what? Why did you have to do that? Like, this space is not for you. This event is mm. not for you. Why did you have to come in and basically, like, stand in the middle of the room and yell? Um, and it was very much this, this phenomenon that that, uh, that I was talking about in the article in, in spaces that she's been in that are predominantly women but you have, you know, the only man in the room who sort of feels like he's entitled to more space. And mm-hmm. uh, women in this culture and many cultures are um, we're socialized to be very deferent and to sit back and listen when the men talk, honey. Um, and so we put up with that. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it's just really sort of toxic brew. And it unfortunately makes a lot of pagan women very wary of men mm-hmm. who come into um, – like our classes and stuff, and that's not fair either, you know. I mean, hashtag not all men, but <laughs> it, it's definitely something that I've seen, especially with 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 pagan men uh, forty and over. <laughs> it's definitely a you know. Let me explain to you, honey, why you know what you're doing in your women's rituals is actually fundamentally unbalanced and harmful, and you know, basically all you need is a good shagging and you'll be fine. And it's just so. Um, and that's why some of us go and become rabid separatists. <laughs> <sighs> but you know, it it, it yeah. There's there's so so much. You know, I'm kind of mm-hmm. being flip about it, but you know, it's it, it it does speak to sort of this larger question about you know space and consent and who gets to, who gets to speak and who gets to take up space. 
it, it, it just, you know, feeds into you know, all these things that even in, in sort of pagan cultures are trying to create an alternate model. Yeah, we bring mm-hmm. our culture with us. There's some, some good stuff going on in the chat room tonight, so I'm responding real quick. Mm. Good stuff. I love it when people love it when people come in the chat room. Yay! Um, I, I always oh. tease Dr. Susan because all that noise you hear in the background, that's her typing. And she can type so <laughs> very, very fast. Every time I talk to her via the internet, I hear the typing. And I'm like, wow. Clack, 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 clack. <laughs> so I, I always. Where's the minute, baby? <laughs> I, I always give her a hard time whenever I hear that. Well, you know, oh, you gotta have those fast stickers. Oh, what? What was that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and here we are, of course. An hour goes so fast. Um, but the, I think this yeah, leads into. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, this is something we could keep talking about because, you know, there's so many aspects to go on. Uh, we could, you know, talk about, you know, trans issues, uh, yes. sex and with trans individuals. Um, and I mean, I kind of wanted to ask, you know, if this article made you think, you know, sit back and think, what have you observed in your community? Because um, I think you you actually might get out more than I do at the moment and interact with the pagan community back in Dallas. Uh, I haven't really interacted much with the community here, but um, you know I kind of had a, something pop in my head when you know we were talking, and I was like, hmm, you know, with all the you know, me and you would go to the cog rituals. I don't think I've ever seen like a male circle lead uh, one of the sabbats. No, had seen no, and- seen a lot of. You know, female only ones, seen you know mixed gender ones, but I've never seen a male one lead. And I wonder what would, you know, is that on purpose or is it just because there isn't one? It's a good question. Um, my sense is that um, you know because so many of the congressmen here are led by people who came up through American tradition of the goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, Amtred is a tradition in which a man cannot cast a circle without a woman present, or at least that is my understanding. I am not initiated to that tradition, but um, as it has been explained to me, a woman that can go through training and becomes a high priestess can go off and start her own coven. A man who goes through training and becomes a high priest cannot go start his own coven without a high priestess. And so um, definitely, you know, you will not ever see probably an Amtred ritual that is predominantly male-run. Um, mm. I know there are a couple of um, solitaries through the Covenant of the Goddess group here in, in Dallas um, that that are men, um, but I don't know um, if they just don't do public ritual or if they haven't been invited. It's definitely uh, it's definitely a trend here. We are a very matriarchal community here, and um, unfortunately, that has, has given given a rise to some pretty crappy treatment of some men in this community, which leads to defensiveness, which leads to this whole toxic dance that this article mm-hmm. is thing to to uh, to pull out, you know, to point out. Um, it is it's really fascinating, and it definitely made me think of these larger issues around um, inclusion of 
pagans of trans experience and trans identity, particularly in traditions like my own, where mm-hmm. um, there is a, a, a well, a lively, I won't say it's healthy because a lot of it's not healthy, a lively discussion about the inclusion of trans women in women's only circles. Um, I'm going on record as saying I am for inclusion. Any woman that shows up at one of my events or rituals who, you know, thinks she needs to be there, mm-hmm. she needs to be My My only rule about being in one of my workshops or my circles is that you treat the other people around you with respect. You know, if you if you saw the advertisement and you managed to get yourself there and think you're going to get something out of it, I'm not going to ask you about your medical history, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I know no, that's that something you should never are, ask a trans individual. That's something you should just never ask anybody. Like, I'm yeah. not going to walk up and introduce myself and be like, hi, what's in your pants? Um, but no, definitely. Yes. Um, but there's there are absolutely some very outspoken elders in my tradition, very much on the other side of that. Um, and I, I'm hoping that uh, we will probably, probably after the new year, have a, a few folks, um, pagans of, of trans experience that uh, would love to come on and be on a panel because I, you know, I can only speak to my experience as a cisgendered person on that issue. And I don't, I feel like, like Same here. cisgendered folks get to talk a lot. So we want to want to get some of our trans brothers and sisters to talk about those issues. Yes. But I think it's all part of this piece about uh, entrenched sexism and gender binarism. And it's, it's, it's so, so much. I'm so grateful to this, this author for writing this article in this really, um, accessible format to mm-hmm. launch these discussions. Um, because a lot of the discussion about this stuff happens kind of in the like pagan intellectual sphere and it's all kind mm-hmm. of, of and I'm so, so grateful to her um, for putting this out for people to see uh, and talk about. And we would love it if you talked back to us. Um, we're, uh, we've got uh, Pam coming up with the Pagan Variety Show here in a minute, and she's got a great interview, so we're going to turn the reins over to her here. Uh, but we'd love for you to talk back to us. Drop us an email at actsofloveandpleasure uh, at gmail.com. Sorry. Uh, join us yep. on Facebook, or you can tweet us at loveandpleasure. It's love, L-U-V. Um, until next I really whoa, whoa, whoa. enjoyed. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, no, I'm not signing off just yet. I'm not trying to okay. off just yet. I'm saying I'm really enjoyed. Go ahead, Michael. I was going to say, you know, I would like to wish Dr. Susan Harper a happy birthday, even though it's not her birthday until midnight. Oh, yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm bugging in because I want to do the same thing, which. Wish you a happy birthday for tomorrow, and then wish Michael a happy birthday yes. the following day. Yes, yes, yes. We are. Uh, see, that's why we're so lively. You get two, you get You like give us an open mic, and bad things. You know, well, not bad things. Crazy things happen. So yes, yeah. thank you yeah. so much for the birthday. And I, I, I'm sad that we're not going to be able to celebrate our birthdays together this year, Michael. But we'll have to make up for it. I know. Yes. Yes. Oh gosh! So maybe I, I just had a, I had a flash of a drunken night that spans into a weekend. <laughs> well, I, I, that's called CMA, honey. <laughs> can, 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 I play, can I play the song going into Arthur Hines because of what you put, what you, what you're talking about? Because this sounds like a, 
<laughs> a song for you. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Yes, so, yes, yes, stay tuned for, for Pam on the Pagan Variety Show with the fabulous Arthur Himes. And we will talk to you in two weeks. Until then, I am Dr. Susan. I am Michael Graywolf. And I hope you find lots of love and pleasure in your Woo-hoo! week. And the, um, tune in next week to listen to Jason on Raise the Horns Radio. And hello, you're live with Maggie the Green, and that was a replay um, of All Acts of Love and Pleasure with Michael Graywolf and Dr. Susan Harper. So you will not be hearing Pam at Port um, Pagan Variety Show. What you'll be hearing tonight is Petals and Potions, Better Living Through Nature. And um, we've had a little bit of technical difficulties tonight uh, getting everything running, and I'm going to start the show off with a song, and that song is a um, <clears throat> a recommendation by Pam, Lady Moon, by Kellyana, and I hope you enjoy, and I will be back in a few.
and potions better living through nature our episode eight tonight is titled bright white light mother moon and the nightshade family this is maggie the green and i would like to welcome my co-host daphne jewel how's it going tonight daphne um it's going pretty good um i'm excited to talk about uh our subjects tonight and excited to um Introduce some new some new listeners to us as well, you know, in case anyone has never listened to a show of ours before. So I feel like we should maybe do a re a, re, a little bit of a reintroduction. Okay. Um. So I am Maggie the Green, and you can follow me on Instagram at Maggie the Green or Megan Lyon, and um, I am your mom. <laughs> yeah. And you are. And I am your child. <laughs> um, I'm Daphne <laughs> Jewel. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Dreads for Life. That's D D R E A D Z dot four dot life uh, on Instagram. And you can also follow our face our Facebook page, Petals and Potions, um, as well as we do have an email uh, up and run, up and running. And it's it is a uh, what is it? Isn't it? I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Petals and Potions, P-T-R-N, at gmail.com. Yeah, so and if that you have P-T-R-N any... stands for Pagans Tonight Radio Network. And we are um, we are sponsored, uh, our our show is sponsored by Witch School right. on the, on the uh, Blog Talk Radio. Right, and if you have any questions or any um, kind of stories you want to share or, you know, any comments or any advertising or promotional stuff that you would like to be featured on our show or be featured as a guest on our show, um, 
be sure to, to to leave us a comment, message us on Instagram, on Facebook, on or on the email. Um, I'm sure we would love to have you. And um, yeah, our color series yeah, is almost up. Good. Do what? I said our our color series is almost is almost over, um, and we're gonna be. Talking, in, we're going to be needing to talk about some some more things, some different things. And I personally, I would love to have some more features on the show as well. Right. Um, if you'd like to call in and just comment or share a story, you can call us at three four seven three zero eight eight two two two, and we are live now. <coughs> so, um, if you'd like to jump in and and share a story or a comment, call us. Again, that number is 347-308-8222. Also, let's quickly do that medical disclaimer real quick as well, please. All right. The medical disclaimer is that uh, our show is in no way intended to replace uh, appropriate medical advice. (laughs) So... Um, Don't sue us. We're just here to offer information and give you inspiration to find ways to live better through nature. So that's really what we're all about is better living through nature. Right. And um, so I am am Daphne Jewell. I am 22 years old. I I was raised uh, pagan. Mostly I was raised... I was raised Wiccan uh, my entire life, Um, and I have a strong affinity with paganism and just everything in general, like uh, magic, and I also have a lot of health issues, so I am currently vegetarian, uh, gluten-free, and um, I try to eat as healthy as possible and, you know, just try to live the best life I can live, and all of that connects to, you know, my spirituality as well. Right. Um, I am older than you. <laughs> you are my mom. And uh, I am a, um, I'm a pagan. I consider myself an earth witch. My... Um, Strengths run to earth magic and growing things, love, and life. And um, I'm just, you know, out here trying to make a difference in the world, really. Um, I'm very political. I am a member of Indivisible Guilford County. I'm also a member of the Democratic Party Progressive Caucus. Very interested in um, things like uh, sustainable energy, sustainable ways of life, green living. Um, I'm also a vegetarian, uh, on the verge of being a vegan, but, you know, you know my issue with eggs. Like, I feel like eggs shouldn't count because eggs are waste. So if you don't eat them, they're, you know, going to go to waste. You know, chickens lay (laughs) eggs regardless. (laughs) So um, that's kind of my feeling on that. Other than that, uh, you know, I have a big garden, and I'm a mom. I'm your mom. You have three brothers that I also tend to, um, you know, um, I consider myself a member of the LGBT community because 
I am, um, a, you know, I'm bisexual, so, you know, I I really feel for everyone in my community. Um, I'm a, a big advocate for uh, immigration rights and, you know, same-sex marriage and, and all of that. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I'm all about. Um, I, I, my, my talents tend, tend to run more with the dead, um, and the, uh, and the, the nighttime and the mother moon, which is what one of the subjects that we're talking about today is the lovely mother moon. I love the moon so much. I'm at my, my astrology sign is actually ruled by the moon. I've always had a really, really strong affinity with the moon. Um, what, what, what how do you feel about the moon, mom? Um, I absolutely adore the moon. Uh, I feel very balanced, though, because I'm a Leo, and my sign is ruled by the sun, but I also am a moon worshiper and a goddess worshiper. So I feel like I'm very balanced when it comes to the moon and the sun. You know, I I tend to think of the moon as a, um, a reflection of the sun, if that makes sense. Well, I mean... In physical sense, it is a reflection of the sun, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, um, for, for... You know, I've what? always been a, a moon worshiper, though, and, you know, I do um, do magic based on the phases of the moon, and I do uh, watch the moon and the different phases, and I try to time my magic with that. I also time plantings with the different phases of the moons and and things like that. So um, I have a really strong draw to the moon as it relates to the ocean as well. Does that make sense? Because um, I'm really talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Do you want to talk about that? That's fine. You already know all this stuff. I don't know anything about the stuff you're going to talk about. Well, I mean, I know some stuff about the, what you're going to talk about, but I wanted to talk about the moon. That's my thing. Okay. <laughs> well, that's pretty much the the whole subject tonight. We could literally spend hours talking about the moon. I mean, really. <laughs> Do you want to spend hours talking about the moon? No, I want you to. I want you to talk about what you want to talk about. Uh, do you want me to start, start talking? You want me to talk about the uh, the the other things that we had in mind? Do you want me to go first? Uh, yes. Okay. So um, the topic tonight is the um, is Mother Moon and the Nightshade family. And one of the reasons why I wanted to to talk about the Nightshade family is because it's it's really a huge range of plants. And since plants are kind of my thing, you know, that's why I really wanted to talk about it. Um so there are lots of different you know, theories out there about Nightshade family. There are vegetables in the nightshade family. There are herbs in the nightshade family and flowers and, you know, all of the nightshade family flowers. Um, And they do all contain, the entire nightshade family contains toxic aspects. 
Yeah, what about deadly nightshade? Right, okay. So deadly nightshade has been used uh, for thousands of years for uh, poison. So it's um, it's a very nasty poison. Uh, when you use it, um, it can you know you you get very very sick and it's it's just not pleasant at all. <laughs> Obviously, how, you, um, how much deadly nightshade does it take to kill somebody? <laughs> very little, very very little. Um, as a matter of fact, there are no. Uh, it's very difficult to even find um, information about belladonna, which is the de- which is the deadly nightshade. Um, there's a little bit more information about Datura, um, which is Ugh, a part of no. the nightshade family. Ugh, right, Datura, no, and I've right. actually grown um, Datura or uh, some people call it jimson weed in my garden before it's a night bloomer it's a night blooming flower and it it blooms like these huge white angel's trumpet flowers that are beautiful but they only bloom at night so that kind of goes along with what we're talking about as well and detura has long been known as an entheogen or mm-hmm. a a chemical that you can consume to induce hallucina- like uh, hallucinations or to do like a spiritual trip. Yeah, um, I, I know uh, people um, back in the day would use that to, uh, and I know people who went to the hospital who were using Datura. Remember that? I remember. <laughs> Yes, so you have to be very, very careful with all of these things, Um, anything in the nightshade family, really. And there's even some uh, suggested evidence out there that people with autoimmune conditions should stay away from nightshade, stay away from uh, Mm. vegetables and things in the nightshade family because it will actually, um, there is some evidence that certain vegetables in the nightshade family could aggravate inflammation. So, for example, potatoes. Potatoes are yeah. part of the nightshade family. So, if you're if you have an autoimmune condition and you eat a lot of white potatoes, like you could you could um, be putting yourself at risk because um, you know there's differing opinions on the white potato as far as uh, autoimmune conditions are concerned, but. If you're if you do have an autoimmune condition and you're doing like an elimination diet, um, potato would definitely be one of those things to try and cut out of your diet and see if that helps. You know. But what if you have a gluten allergy like I do? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You, you know, if you have a gluten allergy, you know. It's one of those things. Well, like, what am I going to eat? So I would suggest, in that case, to um, eat sweet potatoes because sweet potatoes are not in the nightshade family. So when you're doing potatoes, like, do some white potato, but mostly sweet potatoes. I love nightshade vegetables. I mean, I love sweet potatoes too, but I love nightshade uh, vegetables. I love mushrooms. I love. Uh, isn't garlic a nightshade vegetable? Um, I love right. potatoes. Garlic, onion. Yeah. I love onions. 
garlic, mm-hmm. onions. And do you know tomatoes. what else is a nightshade? Yeah, what? tomatoes, eggplants, peppers. Oh, wow. Those are all in the nightshade family. I so like those are really, really like yummy, wonderful like plant, things. I do. I love, <laughs> these are literally my favorite vegetables. All of the nightshade vegetables are like my favorite vegetables. Um, and you kind of breezed over one of the um, ones I was going to talk about here shortly, but I wanted to just mention another one of those nightshade plants that a lot of people don't realize, and, and especially I didn't realize, but tobacco is a nightshade vegetable, and that totally makes sense to me because tobacco was traditionally used as an antigen. It wasn't used as an everyday type of um, crop. It was used by the Native Americans as an antigen. You only smoke the tobacco when you were doing like a ceremony or using it in a spiritual way. Yeah. I saw that was interesting. Yeah. Right, um, and so that would make sense. Yeah, that that would make sense why nicotine has such a harmful effect on your body because it's not meant to be used all day every day. Yeah, because uh for those of you who don't know, I did used to smoke cigarettes. I smoked cigarettes for about 7 8 years today and then I finally quit um almost a year ago um after some serious health issues and I I definitely can feel the difference in my body. I am, I am so much better now uh, that I quit um, smoking cigarettes. And it's really very hard, but it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth it, especially if you're sick all the time, like me. Right, absolutely. And I am so super proud of you for doing that. That's one of the hardest things to do. I can tell you, um, I have been smoking since I was a very young child. And I've quit several times, and it's just, it's really one of the hardest things I've ever done and will ever do, definitely. So props to you, because that is an awesome thing to do. Yeah, I definitely breathe a lot easier now. (laughs) Absolutely, and you know, your, your allergies aren't as bad, and you know, I'm sure... You know, and you and you smell better, and you look better, and you know. So I feel like that was definitely the right thing for you to do, and I'm so amazingly proud of you for doing that. Me too. Um, I remember uh, when I did quit. Um, there was this kind of I think she was like 60, the 60 year old uh, nurse or lady at the doctor's office, who was like who yeah. also had quit recently, and she said. Well, I just figure I'll I'll smoke again when I'm 80, <laughs> which I just I right. thought that was great. <laughs> right. So like, Absolutely. if I ever want to smoke again, I'll just I'll just be like, well, I'll I'll smoke again when I'm 80. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Because at that point, you know, <laughs> you might as well. So. Well, you touched on one of the um, one of the things that I wanted to talk a little bit more about, and that's mushrooms, which I absolutely love mushrooms so much. They are one of my favorite things of all time to eat. Me too. But 
Right, yeah. So, but you might be surprised by how um, how beneficial they are. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that mushrooms are incredibly healthy. So when I was working in um, pharmaceuticals, we actually had this mushroom blend capsule, and people were taking this mushroom blend capsule, and it was helping to like fight um, cancer because it was, and it's been, you know, it's been used in uh, Eastern medicine for all kinds of different mushrooms have been used in Eastern medicine for thousands of years in Ayurvedic medicine. It's uh, an extremely high antioxidant food, which means it fights free radicals. And I, I've said, explained this a thousand times, but I'll do it again. Free radicals are those cells in your body that float around that are basically waste that cause cancer in your body, free radicals. And yes. they also cause aging. So the more free radicals that you have, and you just, you get free radicals all the time. Like, you know, you can't do anything about, I mean, you know, some things can accelerate free radical damage, um, but you get free radicals just normal aging, from the sun, from the chemicals that we breathe in the air, from every normal thing in your life. You know, everybody has free radicals. So if you want to fight those free radicals, though, you want to look for foods that are high in antioxidants. So um, mushrooms are one of those very high antioxidant foods. And when you're when you're doing antioxidants, you you know you want to make sure that you have the rainbow. But um, mushrooms are a really good one to add in there. So and there's been you know extensive research that um, mushrooms contain a, a variety of bioactive molecules that are antiviral, anti-inflammatory, and antioxidant. So, so I would encourage. Do what? They contain a, var a variety of what? Of bioactive molecules. So bioactive molecules are basically molecules in the food that your body will use when you eat it. It'll break it down. So it'll be bioactive. So it, that means it's like when you eat it, it's active in your body, the molecules. Oh. Like your body will actually use those molecules okay. in your bloodstream. Yeah, after you digest it. Okay, so, okay. Um, right. So not only will they help to inhibit viruses from um, from replicating inside of your body. So, like, let's say you eat a lot of mushrooms and you go somewhere that somebody has a cold. You pick that virus up. Those mushrooms are going to fight that virus before it gets out of hand and makes you sick. And also, if you... If you are already sick, eat more mushrooms, and that will help you recover faster. Does that make sense? Raw mushrooms or, like, cooked mushrooms? Because I like sautéed mushrooms. And also white right. kind of mushrooms, so like you, just a variety. Like, there's white mushrooms and uh, portobello mushrooms and baby portobello mushrooms and shiitake mushrooms and all those. So like right, all kind. of those all of those are very similar. All of those have very similar um all of those have very similar aspects. Now, 
you can have different benefits from different mushrooms. So all the mushrooms are going to provide you with vitamin D. They're going to help you lose weight. They're going to support your energy and improve your brain function because they are packed with vitamin B. They're going to protect your heart health because they lower cholesterol levels naturally. And they're going to improve your immunity and your inflammatory responses, as well as fighting cancers. Um, And then you have mushrooms that have specific properties on top of those. So, for example, reishi mushrooms are good for anxiety. So it will do all of those things plus help with anxiety, hormonal balances, and neurodegenerative problems. Ah. Right. So then you have to talk. Uh, I was going to say I find that really interesting how even though uh, mushrooms are part of the nightshade family, which is supposed to be worse for autoimmune diseases, that uh, mushrooms, in fact, help with uh, uh, inflammation and things like that. Right. So, um, right, exactly. Well, it's one of those things, like I saw it on on one list of, of um, nightshade fa- family plants, and then I saw it on another, an, another list that it's not a nightshade. So I guess there's like differing opinions on that, which is really interesting. And when I was doing the research for specifically for nightshade, um, there was a lot of differing opinions. Like some people were saying that nightshade uh, vegetables don't don't um, make inflammatory responses worse, and some people were saying that they do. So, I mean, it's one of those things you have to really um, – do a little research and especially if you're going to do an elimination diet is try and see because different people have different reactions to different foods. You could be one of those foods that nightshade families don't accelerate your inflammatory response. You know, you could be one of those people, you know, some people do better on a paleo diet, which excludes all nightshade vegetables Some people do better on like a full organic vegan diet where you have a variety of fruits and vegetables, no meat, no dairy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. So Um, I think that's why there's like a different response um, because it's a lot of it is uh, anecdotal and it's based on different people's reactions. And I think people react differently. Not everyone is going to have the same reaction to each thing. Yeah, and also, you know, everyone's genetic makeup is different. And I think that depending on your your genetic makeup, where your ancestors uh, are from, it has a lot to do with, you know, what your body will react to. Because, you know, uh, I have some Irish in me, and um, Irish people... Um, you know, had ate potatoes for so long. And don't only Irish people get uh, celiac disease? Right. Um, Celiac disease is directly related to um, Irish heredity. So, yes, celiac is Irish. If you have celiac disease, you have Irish blood, period. 
Yeah, and um, so I, I I think that's part of the reason why um, some people can handle some stuff and some different. You know, I mean, because in this day and age, everyone is traveling all over the world quickly, like in a couple hours, you can travel across the world and uh, breed and intermingle with other people. And, you know, that kind of, I think the rapid, you know, um, I don't know how to put it, like the, the, the rapid, um, yeah, the rapid interbreeding of different, um, regions. Yeah, and, like, melting pots and stuff, it seems like they tend hmm. to have more thickness. Right. Just because, I don't know, it's just weird. I don't I don't want to. Right. And um, it's so interesting that you're bringing that up because that's something that Pam and I have talked about with her Turkish descent. And I've suggested, uh, to, you know, she has an autoimmune condition as well, so... Um, we've talked about uh, a lot about the food and stuff and foods that work best for her are those foods that are native to her um, ancestral lands. And not only that, but you, there are actually nutritionists and herb, herbalists out there that do take into consideration your DNA makeup. And they can um, work a diet out for you specifically based on your DNA makeup and based on um, where you come from and, you know, things like that. Can I can I find one of those? Because uh, I need one. <laughs> I, I would, right, I yeah, need one. definitely. We'll, we'll have to look into a dietitian um, or like, a, like an herbalist to, to do that. But um, I think we've pretty much got it down, and, and and I think it's really interesting that you do very well on an Irish diet and also on an Asian diet. You yeah. seem to do best on on um, Irish and Asian. I think that's more proof that you do definitely have Asian DNA. We don't really know. We Disclaimer, we don't know what DNA I really have. The only thing we really for sure know is that I have Irish DNA. Right, you have Irish and Polish, or not Polish, um, Slovakian, which is, yeah. Irish and, and Slovakian Italian. and Southern um, Italian. That's, that, which we don't, we don't really know the rest of that. <laughs> yeah. But um, your condition of Moya Moya generally, you know, mostly affects people with Asian heritage, and that's why we're we are speculating. (laughs) That's why we're speculating about the Asian. Yeah. So, um, So, uh, yeah. So just to go back to the mushrooms really quick. um, Shiitake mushrooms are extremely antiviral. The cordyceps, which are used a lot in Chinese folk medicine, are uh, stimulants and adaptogen, so they help help you with your energy. And cordyceps also protect your mitochondria. So your mitochondrial DNA, if you are having uh, mitochondrial issues, cordyceps is a good uh, a good mushroom for that. 
And again, a medical disclaimer, this is not in place of, you know, an actual physician, whatever. Um, and then you have like maitake mushrooms, which are really good for balancing your hormones. Oyster mushrooms, which are fantastic for reducing joint pain. Then you have your cremini or your white button mushrooms, which are all of those things. Um, so, yeah, fresh or dried, cook them or eat them, you know, raw. Just don't rinse them too much. You know, it's best if you're going to, if you just, like, wipe them off, wipe the dirt off of them and eat them. Yeah. So bright white light. So what about um, all the barks that you had in in store for us, the white, uh, was it white oak bark? Right. Um, Well, I lost all my links because I had to restart my computer, and I don't remember. So let me come back to that in a minute. But um, let's talk a little bit about garlic, because that's one of those other superfoods that I really, really love and I want to talk about. So garlic is also um, one of my very favorite foods of all time. I absolutely love garlic all day every day i can eat it in anything yeah i really love garlic too it's 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 delicious um it's also one of those um antiviral antibacterial you know um superfoods and all of those good things um okay so white oak let me move on to white oak uh so white oak bark is one of the, um, it's an herb, or it's not really an herb, it's a bark. Um, it's used for, in spells, for protection, fertility charms, and it's connected to the thunder god Jupiter. So it its bark contains tin, and magically it is good for removing negative magic and... Um, a lot of people use white oak branches that fall from the tree to make um, wands. Oh, yeah, I've heard that before, too, white oak um, wands. So that's kind of the, um, you know, it's a traditionally, it is a, a druidic thing. So a lot of, it's kind of related to the druidic path and, um, they, in the Druidic path, um, as far as, you know, they can tell, they used it to make a tea for strength. And they, it's also an astringent, so they've used it to, um, you know, for cleaning wounds and things like that. And they also used white oak for aging wine. For aging wine? Yeah. To make the barrels for for the wine. Oh. I did not know that. I always thought it was a cedar, cedar oak barrels for some stuff. I don't know. That might be for whiskey. Maybe. I'm not sure. Cedar is very, um, it's very fragrant. 
And it's, you know, they've used cedar for a lot of different things. So another thing I wanted to talk about was white sage, which I grow. I love that's the kind of, yeah, that's the kind of sage that we have here in our garden is white sage. So, and everybody knows, you know, sage is that, well, I mean, not everybody, but, you know, it's fairly common that sage is really, really good for burning and cleansing. Yes. And smudging, basically. Yes. For clearing negative energy, and it's very, it's a very traditional kind of a... Herb. I mean, you can make you can make your own sage bundles. I mean, white sage in particular seems to be uh, uh, very popularized. But the, the Native Americans in this land would um, basically pick and gather their own um, herbs and things uh, to put in their sage bundles, dep- depending on you know what tension uh, they wanted to do. Um, but you know can't really do that anymore. We can't walk around and harvest the the native plants of this of this land anymore. But uh so yeah, so white sage is pretty easy to get and to grow and to make your own cleansing sage bundles. And then um I just have one more white herb that I wanted to talk about and that is um white willow bark. So that's where aspirin comes from. Aspirin comes from white willow. It it contains a chemical called uh, salicin. So it's an extremely powerful anti-inflammatory plant. Um, it has lots and lots of flavonoids, which are compounds that um, reduce inflam- inflammation. And um, there's also... Um, What was I going to say? I totally, I totally forgot what I was going to say. But, oh, well, if you use, I mean, you have to be careful with white willow if you're using it medicinally, though, because some people can have allergic reactions, and also you can't use it um, on children or adolescents because there's the possibility of Rye syndrome. But all those, those plants are very beautiful, and they can be used medicinally um white sage not only if you burn it but you can uh cook with it so if you want to consume it you know a lot of people put it in their uh stuffing and things like that so it's very aromatic and it's very flavorful it has a very um savory flavor so yeah Yes, it typically uh, tends to pair well with um, poultry and stuff, usually. I mean, I don't eat poultry anymore, but when Mm -hmm. I did, it was, I I definitely used Mm -hmm. it. Right, so we're going to follow our moon theme. And I am going to play another moon song. And I think I'm going to play um, Ginger Ackley Moon Lady. So we just heard Kelly, 
Kelliana, Lady Moon. So now we're going to play Moon Lady. What do you think? <laughs> that sounds good. I'm ready. All right. Sounds good. Dance 
and welcome back to Petals and Potions. This is episode Bright White Light, Mother Moon, and the Nightshade family. Um, welcome back, Daphne. That was um, Kiva Moon Path was the second song that I played, and the one before that was Ginger Ackley Moon Lady. I enjoyed both of those songs. What did you think? Um, I really liked uh, Moon Lady. Uh, that mm-hmm. one was really nice. Um, the second one was really pretty too, um, but I, I I felt more flowy and more 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 with the moon on the on the first song. But that's just me. Awesome, awesome. Um, so, well, we've covered a lot of ground here tonight, and um, just to recap a little bit, we were talking about nightshade vegetables and we've talked a little bit about the moon and I know you were wanting to talk about the moon and the ocean well yeah but I mean you know the the moon rules the tides so the moon and the tides are inherently connected and have always been so throughout you know ancient history and stuff Right, right, absolutely. Um, so, and and I've always had like a really strong draw to the ocean, and we were just um, talking about it the other day about going to the ocean again. That's one of the things that I love about living in North Carolina is that we have the mountains on one side and the ocean on the other. Yes, I really, I really miss the ocean. Um, I haven't been to the beach in a while um i really love the outer banks there because it's on on that on the outside it's it's absolutely beautiful it's much better than shoreside for sure absolutely um and and if you've never been to the ocean i recommend i highly recommend it um it's just it's so wonderful it's one of those things that when you spend a night listening to the waves of the ocean, it's it's a feeling that will call you over and over and over again. That's very true. It's it's um especially if you're at a beach that isn't very crowded or it's off season and and you're you're able to to have some time alone to reflect on yourself and have some time alone with the ocean herself, one of my favorite things mm-hmm. to do is to uh, walk along the beach at night, and listening to the the waves and and looking at the moon. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Right, it is. It's so nice and calming, and um, it's just a wonderful experience that I really really love. Um, You want to talk a little bit about our next episode, our next couple of episodes, really? Um, We will be back live May the 2nd, Wednesday, May the 2nd, and we will be talking about black, the color black, as the final installment of our color series. Yep, and then that will be the last one, and then I think the show after that, we may possibly have a guest on, which will be wonderful. Yes, it's really exciting. Um, so Wednesday, May the 16th, uh, we are hoping to have 
uh, a gemologist or a crystalologist, a jeweler, um, a friend that does uh, crystal jewelry and stones jewelry. So we're we're hoping that she can join us on Wednesday, May the 16th. And um, speaking of stones, did you have any stones to, to talk about this time? Because that's kind of uh, your... You're saying, you know, you you get it from uh, your Nona, your gem uh, strength from your Nona. So, was there there any stones that you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, I was going to talk about um, clear quartz. Um, a lot of the stones that we talk about on here that I have talked about in the past are members of the quartz family, but I haven't. I don't think I've talked about plain old. Uh, clear white quartz, and that is basically the 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 master of all the other quartzes, kind of, because clear white quartz is 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 very strong. It's very powerful. It can. It's very good for amplifying any other energies or any other uh, stones that you attach it with or whatever. And it's really good for clarity and it's it's the 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 big one, you know what I mean, the master of all the right other yeah, and um, I also wanted to talk about moonstone because you know it's it's we're talking about the moon and stuff, and moonstone is a really beautiful stone, it's one of my favorite absolute favorite stones, just because of how pretty it is, but moonstone is is really um. I'm not sure exactly what family it is. Uh-huh. But so what are some properties of of moonstone? Um traditionally it's been uh connected to sorry, I, I have my notes here but I wasn't sure exactly I can't even read my own handwriting. Um oh the moon oh moonstone is is really connected to the moon. It's been associated with the moon, um, not just because of its appearance, because it's uh, in appearance it's a very kind of smoky, kind of cloudy, kind of white ca- color, but also because of you know it it it's really helpful in healing with the uh, feminine energy and all things feminine, which is basically what the moon is you know it's all all things feminine it uh enhances divination properties and it's it's uh it's a it's a beautiful stone awesome awesome so i think it's really funny um that you brought up moonstone because when i took keegan to the store the gem store to pick out a stone i said here you know pick anything you want out and he picked out a moonstone and I just thought that was like the most adorable thing. Did he really? Yeah, he did. He really did. He he uh, picked out a moonstone. He went right to it. And he said, "This is the one that I want," and he <laughs> that's what he picked out. Does he still have it? Yes, he still has it. He has a little um, basket of rocks on his oh, on yeah. his uh, school desk. Yeah. So yeah, 
That's I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so what else uh, were we going to talk about tonight? Um, um, that's <clears throat> pretty much it. Is there, is there um, any questions or anything that anybody has? And if they do, feel free to ask us. Um, see, it's ten o'clock. Right, I so, was um, I was kind of wondering because we had some people in the chat room, and normally we don't get people in the chat room. Normally, people just send us messages, like in the email or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. they haven't had any questions yet. They're just kind of hanging around, checking it out, I guess. But welcome to the chat room if you're in the chat room right now, and uh, feel free to throw a question out or make a comment. We'd love to hear from people. Um, so on our next show, another thing I want to talk about on our next show is I really want to talk about scrying. It's one of those things that I think will fit right in with that black color series, and that's something that we haven't really talked a lot about before. So um, definitely looking forward to that. And again, our next show is going to be Wednesday, May the 2nd, and then the show after that will be Wednesday, May the 16th, and that will be the a new series. So hopefully our next series will be dedicated to pagan businesses. Pagan businesses. If you are an herbologist or a crystal jewelry maker or you make sacred weapons or um you make uh altar tools or anything related to pagan to pagan um practices or spirituality please contact us at petalsandpotionsptrn at gmail.com because we would absolutely love to hear from you and feature you on our show, Petals and Potions, Better Living Through Nature. Yes, I'm really really looking forward to our next show, The Black Show. It's my time to show. Right, we may have to go two hours for The Black Show. We may have to go two hours for the black show. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. I can't wait. So um, I have some more moon songs. And if you haven't noticed, uh, all of our songs have been related to the moon. So at the beginning of the show, you heard Kelliana with Lady Moon. And then we played Ginger Ackley Moon Lady. And then we played... um, Kiva Moon Path. So all of these artists that we're playing that we play on our show are all pagan artists. And we're also looking to feature some more pagan artists on our show. So if you are a pagan musician, also reach out to us through, via email or Instagram or Facebook. Um and we will have a, an Instagram page dedicated to the show coming up soon. So that's really exciting. Every show we do, we try to add another aspect of um, contact. So if you're a pagan musician and you'd like to be featured on the show or you would like us to play your songs um, on our show, reach out to us and, and you know we'll get you on because we're all about promoting Better Living Through Nature and Pagans. So the next uh-huh. song I think I'm going to play is Siren Moon by Aromatic. Well, here it says Sharon Knight, but um, Pam called it Aromatic. Um, 
And then I think I'm going to play a second song again because there are so many moon songs. It's so interesting that there are so many pagan songs. Well, I mean, I guess this should be obvious. There are lots and lots of pagan songs dedicated to the moon. So um, I am going to play Siren Moon by Sharon Knight. And I hope everyone has a wonderful night and please reach out to us like we like we said, you know, feel free to reach out to us. You know, uh listen live and call in, ask questions, share your pagan stories. Um and I hope everyone has a great night.
And we're back. That was Siren Moon. Siren Moon. I'm really loving the music tonight. Me too. That was really beautiful. I especially loved the uh, the violins in it. Oh, I did too. It was it was lovely, definitely. Um, all the songs tonight have been really lovely. I'm feeling this moon vibe we got going on tonight. Yep, waxing moon right now, at least for. Oh, is it? Yeah, waxing moon. Yeah. Do you want to give a little a little explanation of what a waxing moon is, real quick? Oh, well, a waxing moon just means that the moon is in the process of going from a new moon to a full moon. Perfect. Thank you so much. Nice little tidbit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, Petals and Potions. And um, you can catch uh, me at uh, Dreads for Life on Instagram, D-R-E-A-D-Z dot four dot life. Daphne Jewel uh, on Instagram, um, and uh, I'm signing off. Good night, and I'm going to play us out with Murphy's Midnight Rounders, Maiden, Warrior, Mother, Crone. Maiden, Warrior, Mother, Crone. Maiden, Warrior, Mother, Crone. Maiden,
You're listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 